بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين أفضل الصلاة وتم تسليم على سيدنا ومولانا محمدا وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أجمعين So I apologize for the short break and not having classes on yesterday was the celebration and commemoration of the Badr Badr and the day before it was our annual benefit event and so inshallah we will get back to work and continue where we left off ta'ala. and so to again situate ourselves all of these lectures have really been the purpose behind them is to strengthen our relationship with the Quran and in particular through this book number 8 of the Ahiyadun the book on the proprieties of Quranic recitation to learn exactly how it is that we should have adab with Allah Ta'ala's book inwardly and outwardly what should we be doing outwardly what should we be doing inwardly and we are currently under the chapter where we are learning about the inner acts the various etiquettes that we need to have at the level of the heart and we started discussing the fifth inner act which Imam Ghazali calls at-tafahum and can be translated as striving to understand so we spoke a little bit about realizing the greatness of divine speech and what follows it from exalting the one speaking and then what comes after that which is maintaining presence of heart and then number four contemplating upon the meanings of the Quran and then we reach number five which is striving to understand striving to understand every verse and to understand what that verse points to what is the mean what are what are the meanings of that verse and so what Imam Wazari says about this is is in yastodah is that we try to understand and clarify from every verse ma yilihu biha what is suitable to it what is befitting of it and he then presents many of the overarching themes of the Quran which we discussed last time and after presenting that he goes into a little bit of detail about each one so he began with the sifat with the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and one of the important things uh, that he said about this is that there are deep secrets in understanding the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that come in his book and reflecting upon why those attributes relate to what preceded it. And he says, in this is a very deep knowledge that is gifted to the people of certainty. And this is something that you and I should strive to attain, to attain strive to understand. And we can begin by learning the nine nine names of Allah and learn their meanings. And once we learn their meanings, then we can reflect deeply on how that meaning, for instance, of a particular name of Allah Ta'ala that, that comes, uh, and how it relates to the verses or the, what Allah Ta'ala mentions before it. Now, and we left off quoting Ibn Abdullah ibn Mas'ud as saying, مَنْ أَرَادَ إِلْمِ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَالْآخِرِينَ Whoever wants the knowledge of the ancients, and for all of those who will come, let him search for in the Quran, let him contemplate the Quran, read the Quran, study the Quran, learn the meanings of the Quran. 
that expression contains all of those different meanings. Meaning he will find it in Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's book. وَأَعْظَمُ عُلُومُ الْقُرَانِ تَحْتَ أَسْمَعِ اللَّهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ The greatest of the pearls of gems of wisdom in the Qur'an are found beneath the names of Allah and His attributes. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's what he says about the sifat of Allah. And then he's going to speak about the af'al of Allah. Af'al is the plural fi'l. And you translate this as the acts of Allah. And so ultimately... Everything in creation is an act of Allah. Everything in creation. And so you could say, and they actually mention this in the books, is that the only thing that exists is Allah and His acts. The only thing that exists is Allah and His acts. And even when we speak about the divisions that the later scholars laid down for the science of theology, i.e. the um, that, that which pertains to Allah, that which to pertains to prophecy, and that which pertains to the Day of Judgment and eschatology. That breakdown, in particular the last two, i.e. the sending of prophets and everything that will happen in the afterlife, those are the two greatest acts of Allah. And so in reality, when you read Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book and you learn that He exists and you learn about His attributes, then everything else that you are also learning about in the Qur'an, and this is, we'll see examples that Imam Ghazali mentions here, are acts of Allah. Allah creating certain things in creation. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so everything in existence ultimately is an act of Allah. And we should learn that that particular act points to names and attributes of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what he wants us to do here is to have to fahm, to strive to understand what those verses are pointing to, in particular in relation to the acts of Allah. So he says here, for instance, the creation of the heavens and the earth. This is a great act of Allah. The heavens and the earth, Allah brought this into existence, from non-existence into existence. La ilaha illallah. Allah brought this into existence. And other things, like other things like what? Like mountains. Just think about the majesty of mountains. The Bihar. All of the different oceans and seas that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. When you look out on the ocean and you're at the seashore, you just see water. Or you're in the middle of the ocean, just surrounded by water and you don't see any land. The vastness that is there. It indicates internally and every person of fitrah realizes this, that it must have had a maker. It puts you in a state of awe at this natural beauty that points to the beauty of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so he says, So let the one reciting the Quran understand from verses that pertain to like creation of the heavens and the earth, the attributes of Allah and His majesty and His greatness and the kamal qudrati and the perfect nature of His power. Because the act indicates the doer of the act. It points to it. So the greatness of the act indicates the greatness 
of the one who did the act. So what is befitting of a believer whenever they witness anything happening, any act, is that they witness the fa'al, the doer of the act, as opposed to being restricted to the act itself. And so whoever knows the truth here with a capital T, Allah Jalla Jalalu, he will see him in everything. And what is meant here is not that we see Allah in creation. You don't see Allah in creation. Allah does not exist in his creation. We don't believe in animism or pantheism. We don't believe that a God, God is a spirit in his creation. We don't believe in that. Allah originated everything and brought it into existence. So when we say that he sees Allah in everything, i.e. he witnesses the divine impact upon creation, he realizes that what? Everything originates from him. This is what it means to see Allah in everything. Everything originates from him. And everything returns to him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wabihi walahu. Everything subsists through him and everything belongs to him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what it means to see Allah in everything. We're aware of that. And we can have that with knowledge at first. But the goal as we traverse through life is to tread a path of spiritual purification where then this is witnessed at the level of the heart. And this is what it means to be an arif billah. To be a knower of Allah is that they, the Arif Billah witnesses everything originating from Him, returning to Him, subsisting through Him, and belonging to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then He says, And so, if anyone who doesn't see Allah in everything that is that He sees, it is as if that He doesn't know Him. And whoever knows him knows that everything other than Allah is false, i.e. their existence is contingent. It's as if it's non-existent. And it only exists because Allah created it, allowed it to exist, and upholds its existence and subsists it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that everything is perishing except his countenance, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not that it is going to perish sometime in the future or in some other state. No. Right now it is batil. And this word batil is the word that you use for falsehood. And what is really meant here is that it's non-existent, i.e. it doesn't exist in and of itself. It's batil. It can only exist if Allah Ta'ala gives it existence and subsists, subsists its existence, subhanahu wa ta'ala. In if we consider the essence of anything, nothing exists in and of itself. Only Allah has independent existence. He is the wajib al wujud, the necessarily existent, subhanahu wa ta'ala. All other existence is contingent. The only thing that we consider of the existence of any other thing is insofar as it exists because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
brought it into existence and subsists its existence through his power. It only in this consideration is considered to actually be existent. But if you talk about independently, independent existence, that it is sheer non-existence, sheer falsehood. This is one of the mabadit, one of the starting points, principles, first things that someone starts to witness with the science of unveiling. So he says that the one reciting, they should, if they're reciting the following verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have you not reflected upon or considered what you sow? Have you not reflected upon the water that you drink? Have you not reflected upon the fire you have kindled? Have you not reflected upon the semen that you emanate? Is that our reflection should not be restricted to the water, the fire, the seeds that we're sowing, or the semen itself. We should reflect deeply what is behind these acts in creation. So we see water, we see fire, we see the sowing of seeds and what grows from it. We see within the human being, we have this fluid that will lead to something. And this is what he's saying, we should reflect deeply upon us. So he said, he mentions the example of many, that human beings, semen, and that if we think about how it is and everything that it leads to in the way that a child is born and everything that that child then develops and all of the traits that are developed, and he mentions in great detail, I'm just glossing over it, all of that process that takes place from inception until the child is born and then until the child grows and everything that happens, this is truly amazing. The creation of a human being is amazing. If we really think deeply about it, how human beings originate and then the process whereby which that they grow in the womb of their mother and then when they're born and then they slowly grow and grow through phases of life. How is this all happening? Only a kafir, someone who denies the truth, will not come to the conclusion that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should reflect very deeply upon this. And then he quotes a verse in the Quran. Have they not seen how we created the human being from a drop of fluid, from semen? And then you find him openly argumentative and arguing. And how could that be? That it's as if all of a sudden we've forgotten all of these stages that went before us. We've forgotten how it is that we were born. We've forgotten everything that we were given so that we could grow. And then 
He just argues openly. Let him think deeply about these wonders. So that he can be raised in rank and come to the most wondrous of all wondrous things. And this is the act of the maker. The act of the sonnet, the one who made everything that it is as it is. That all of these amazing things and wondrous things came from. And this person that reflects deeply, when they look at what was created, they looked at what was made, it points to the creator and it points them to the maker. And again, we have to train ourselves to do this. Train ourselves. It's like reading. You don't learn another language overnight. It takes time to learn the letters and practice the letters and to learn them individually and then place them in sentences and then you learn words and then you learn sentences and so forth and so on. And then eventually you have a number of different skills that you can read very quickly and you can analyze arguments and develop opinions on all of these other types of things and connect knowledge that you have from before to knowledge that it is that you're acquiring and so forth and so on. And you can become a very complex level five reader where you are very skilled and adept. However, that doesn't happen overnight. You have to begin with the alphabet and learning the alphabet and the ta and your A, Bs and your Cs and learn the preliminary knowledge in order to be able to do that. Likewise, when it comes to reflection, we can't just say, oh, this is hard. Learning language is hard. So because learning language is hard, are you going to not learn a language? Think about learning Arabic, how long it takes. Think about learning any language. To become proficient in Arabic. I'm not going to say fluent. Proficient in Arabic. Proficiency defined here as? You understand most of what you read in an array of different books. And we'll just focus on classical, traditional Arabic. Classical Arabic. You understand most of what you read and almost everything of what you hear from a teacher teaching you. That's like a basic level of proficiency. That takes roughly two years to reach that place, to reach that point. Where you've put in work on a daily basis, maybe four to five hours a day over a period of two years, then you'll reach that level of proficiency. And it might take a little bit longer. For some people it might be a little bit quicker. But there are no shortcuts. And unless Allah gives you an opening, you just learn language like that, it's possible. But generally speaking, it takes people two years of full-time study, putting in a lot of work to get the grasp of the Arabic language. And I've seen this through experience. And yes, in one year, you can have a program that gets you ready to study a second year all in Arabic. But still, you'll need to continue Arabic studies and you'll have to use translation for many of the meanings that you are learning. It takes time. And likewise, this takes time. But we have to learn how to do it and cultivate this within ourselves and spend time reflecting. So he's, this is the, what he mentions in terms of what you could call uh, one of the overarching themes which pertains to Allah. And uh, he spoke here about his attributes and his acts. And then he shifts to talk about the ahwad of the Anbiya. Alayhim as And to learn about the 
circumstances and the states of the prophets. May the peace and blessing of Allah be upon them. So he says, And when we read about how some of them were belied, they weren't believed in, some of them were physically harmed, some of them were even killed. One of the meanings that we can take from that is the trait of independence. Self-subsistence of Allah Azawajal. And our Rasul one more Allah is not in need of the messengers He sends or those who He is sending the messengers to. And were He, were He to destroy all of them, that wouldn't affect His dominion in any way. And that's very humbling for the human being to come to terms with. We, on one hand, are significant because Allah Ta'ala made us significant because He's given us the ability to know Him. But our significance is in our ability to know Him. On the other hand, we're totally insignificant. Totally, completely insignificant. Where Allah Ta'ala just completely destroy every single one of us. It wouldn't affect His dominion anyway, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And who are we to think that we deserve to exist? Who are we to think that somehow we are entitled to have what it is that we have? These are very deep-seated diseases of the heart that get us in a lot of trouble as human beings. And so we have to hammer this meaning into our heart is that Allah is absolutely independent, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is self-subsistent. He does not need us to barakah wa ta'ala. وَإِذَا سَمِعَ النُّصْرَةُ فِي آخِرِ الْأُمْرِ فَلْيَفْهَمْ قُدْرَةُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ وَإِرَادُ لِنُصْرَةِ الْحَقِّ And then when we read these stories about the prophets and how Allah helps them in the end after going through immense hardship, usually, this reminds us and points to the power of Allah. What we extrapolate from those stories is the power of Allah. We come to believe in His power. And we can believe in our own context. It might not be overnight, but if your heart is with Allah, you will come out on top in the end. Even if they take your life. Even if you are in strange circumstances here in this world. You will be in the place that you need to be. Accepted by your Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this should... Teach us about the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how He wants to give victory to truth. As for if we read about the ahwal, the various states of the muqaddibin, those who deny revelation and then uh, don't believe in Allah or His messengers, ka'ad and with Thamud, the people of Ad and the tribes of the people of Thamud, everything that happened to them, falyakun fahmu minhu, istishar al khawf. Our meaning, our fahm, when reading stories like this, is that we should feel khawf, fear in our heart. We should fear the satwa of Allah. We should fear, subhanahu wa ta'ala, His power, when His niqmah and His punishment. Our portion from those stories should be learning lessons in and of our own selves. We don't just read those stories like, oh, see what happened to you. 
No, no, we learn and read those stories to make sure that doesn't happen to us. That we don't act like that. And this is extremely, extremely important. And then we worry and have, and we're distressed and we're fearful. If we become heedless or we have bad adab and we become deceived by this time that Allah Ta'ala has given us, perhaps that something might go wrong when we end up getting punishment. We end up getting punished and something bad happens. He says, and likewise, if you hear the description of paradise, and the fire, and everything else that is in the Qur'an, فَلَا يُمْكِنْ إِسْتِقْصَاءُ It's not possible for us to detail everything that is understood from all of those different things. Because there's no end to that. Every human being will understand according to his risk, his sustenance that has been determined for him. And definitely what we understand is from our sustenance. Uh, pointing to a, a verse in the Quran is that there is nothing green or moist. There's nothing moist or dry, nothing green or dry, except that it's in a manifest book. And then Allah says, Say that if the ocean were ink for the words of my Lord, the ocean would be exhausted, would be dried up before the words of my Lord were exhausted. Even if we came with the likes of it, i.e. another ocean of ink, the same thing would happen. For this reason, Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib, who learned tafsir directly from Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, لو شئت لأوقلت سبعين بعيرة من تفسير الفاتحة للكتاب Why to have wanted I could have written so many volumes of commentary on the Fatiha that it would have taken 70 camels to carry those volumes So just to put this into perspective a Ba'ir, a camel can carry roughly 500 kilograms 500 kilograms and let's just say a book weighs, for math's sake, to make it easy, two kilograms. So let's say that 200, so two times 250 equals that 500, so 250 volumes per camel. So then you can do the math, whatever 250 times 70 is. He said, well, I wanted to, I could have written that many volumes of a commentary of the Fatiha to the Kitab. And that's with the Fatiha. فَالْغَرَضُ مِمَّا ذَكَرْنَا عَلَى طَرِيكَ التَّفَهُمْ The purpose of what we've mentioned in this subsection of this chapter is to indicate how it is that we can have tafahum, i.e. strive to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's books. So the door of understanding opens. فَأَمَّدْ istiqsa. As for going into painstaking detail, thoroughly, there's no way for us to really desire that or to do that. And someone who doesn't have even the least degree of understanding in Allah's book. And may Allah Ta'ala 
Give us that and give us more. And give us a, an in-depth, deep understanding of his book. Otherwise, we could enter into the words of Allah Ta'ala. وَمَنْ هُمَنْ اسْتَمِعُوا إِلَيْكَ حَتَّى إِذَا خَرُجُوا مِنْ عِنْدِكَ قَالُوا لِلَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ مَاذَا قَالَ آنِفَا And for among them are those who listen to you until they leave your presence. And then they say to those who have been given knowledge, What did he just say before? أُولَئِكَ الَّذِينَ تَبَعَ اللَّهُ عَلَى قُلُوبِهِمْ They are the ones that Allah Ta'ala has sealed their hearts. And this tabi' or tabi' and this seal, these are from the mawani, the various preventatives of understanding that he's going to actually mention in the next subsection. And it has been said, The aspirant, the one seeking closeness to Allah, is not really considered to be a murid, someone who's truly seeking closeness to Allah. Until he finds in the Qur'an everything that it is he is searching for. And he finds sufficiency and he takes refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from all of his servants. And that he trusts in him subhanahu wa ta'ala and relies on him and doesn't rely upon his servants. And so the fruit of reflecting deeply on the Qur'an, contemplating it, striving to understand it, is that where we, you and I, have this very intimate relationship with his book. Every time we read a verse, we realize that it's pointing to a very deep meaning. And that deep meaning relates to our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is one of the most important subsections of any chapter in this particular work and of everything that we've been discussing thus far. This is one of the most important things of all. Learning to strive to understand the meanings of Allah Ta'ala's book so that our relationship can strengthen in the way that was described. And of course, if we start to understand the meanings behind these verses and they teach us how it is to be before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are definitely going to have our relationship with the Qur'an strengthen. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us in all of our affairs and open up the doors of understanding for all of us, Ya Rahman Rahmeen, and the doors of realization so that we put these meanings into practice in a way that is pleasing to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Barakatul fikum. We will see you all tomorrow, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.